Blog Talk Radio. kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning. Are you ready to say yes to spirit? I'm Tracy and Leslie, and we are ready, ready, ready to say yes to spirit every Monday morning from 11 a.m. to 12 noon Central Time. And our task that we have agreed to accept is what's the mission impossible, (laughs) our impossible mission that we have agreed to accept is to encourage you on your spiritual path. And by doing that, we encourage ourselves, (laughs) and that's probably the real mission impossible. Yeah. So um, our theme for today is going to be spiritual community, and how does that help you say yes to spirit, and uh, how does that support you as you make a commitment in your life to say yes to spirit, or maybe more accurately, how spiritual community has supported each one of us when we have made decisions along the way to say yes to spirit. And we'd love to hear your examples as well, so please feel free to dial in during today's show at area code 347-850-1523. And we uh, connect back, and last week we had hodgepodge. <laughs> I, I, I like that word. You like, like that right? word. <laughs> I like it again. This week. Yeah, I have written down the no theme theme. <laughs> no theme theme. Yeah, not, as, Leslie not as cute as hodgepodge. Yeah. And uh, so I don't really have anything to connect back to our hodgepodge uh, week, but I am very excited about community. I'm big into community, and I have like seven or eight devotions that I found, so we could just spend the whole hour reading devotions. <laughs> but, uh, but we won't. So we won't. But I'm very excited about reading. It's really we, important to me. Right. So we won't read. We won't do the whole hour <laughs> reading devotions. But we could start with one. We could start with one. Since we won't uh, take the dots back, we have a little extra time. And um, here's one that uh, actually uh, a friend got when I was walking, taking a walk with her, and it's called companionship. Companionship. When I'm walking with someone, the walk just flies by. And when I walk alone, it seems so much longer. My friend and I went on a walk this morning on a path she walks quite often. As we reached the end, she made comment on how much quicker the time goes when she's walking with someone than when alone. I thought immediately about how my life works better when I am with God and in community of others. The way I connect to God and others helps my life go more smoothly. The more moment-to-moment consciousness I have with God, the more my activities, days, and life just fly by. I have a hunch God designed the human experience to be one of connection. I believe God is my constant companion, and God shows up to me in those around me. When I make the choice to notice God in my day, I make the choice to never walk alone. Nice. Right. And it's interesting because this particular friend is not a spiritual. I mean, we don't really, you know, have that large of a spiritual connection. Our connection is more what you would call on the people level kind of thing. And so I think it's um, uh, interesting to point out as well that a lot of times, you know, there's 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 all sorts of levels of community. Because I automatically, when we thought of this topic, thought the church community. Mm-hmm. And then to kind of understand that, you know, there's there's community with strangers, community with people at work, community with our family members that we may or may not share similar faith beliefs. Yes. So, yeah, and I, I think that is important for us to 
just say right up front that there's there are all kinds of communities that can support us, that can educate us, that can help us say yes to spirit. And so we're not just limiting our focus to are you a member of a church and how are you engaged in that mm-hmm. specific form of community. One of the things I really love from that devotion is the idea that um, time goes quicker when I'm walking with someone. Mm -hmm. And so what that made me think of was, yeah, you know, if I'm walking with someone or I'm working on a project with someone, because I'm interacting with them on something that we have in common, I'm, I'm less focused on myself. Mm, right. You know, it's not all about me. Right. So even if it's just a walk through the neighborhood, you know, it's if I'm walking with someone, we're talking and we're, you know, there's some back and forth and, and they might point out something along the way that I may have walked past that house, you know, four times in the last week walking by myself. Mm-hmm. But I'm walking with a friend and she notices something that, I'm like, wow, I, in my in my mind, I'm thinking, I've never noticed that before. And it has to be that same way with saying yes to spirit. You know, when I'm on this walk with someone else and they notice something about me or about the, the world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from a spiritual perspective, they're going to just see something I don't see. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just, you know, looking in the mirror and just seeing the same or thinking the same things over and over. Right. So whether it's community of two, yes, or a community of two thousand, right, or twenty thousand, it's still community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great topic, and uh, you know I think it's one that saves lives in a way. If you look at twelve step programs, that has been so much a part of my life for thirty years. You know, they really talk a lot about community in the process of having a sponsor and sponsoring people in the 13th step and the 12 steps is service work, you know, going out and doing for others and the connection that that makes. It just seems like there's something um, innately life-giving when we're in a community and giving something to others in the community. It, It really feeds me in a way that nothing else does. And like you say, it's um, very different when I experience anything when I'm with someone than when I'm alone. Yeah, and I don't think it's an either-or. I think that we need both. You know, I think we absolutely need personal time, individual time, reflection, you know, kind of that introspection of what do I think about this, what's the spiritual truth about this from my perspective. Um, We need that. Not me. I just need people all the time. It's like heroin. No, I don't ever want to be alone. <laughs> but, but you, you are sick. <laughs> you don't think that's right. Uh, we're not going to encourage everybody else to be as sick as you are. That's right. <laughs> I need an audience at all times. I would be so good on one of those reality shows with like a camera crew. Follow. I think that would be just fun to just have the whole world with me all the time. I do in my own mind anyway. But anyway, yes, personal reflection time. Yes, you are correct. I read in a book that that's good, too. That's good, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm shaking my head. Yes, she is. She is. I'm just shaking my head. Shock and awe expression on her face. And there are different personalities. And that's one thing, you know, Tracy uh, Brown and I are actually very different people in regards to that. And I think that's one of the things that really makes our friendship work in a way it's kind of like a good marriage that you know you have some opposites attract and really um it's interesting to me to watch uh my need for stimulus and people and all of that is um sometimes can become i don't know if the defense mechanism is right but it can become a way not to look at something so i do have to be aware of that if i'm really if i haven't spent time with myself if i'm just on 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 then there there is something avoiding that's what i'm looking for if you know if i'm not spending that alone time then there might be something i'm avoiding 
So, I'm curious. <laughs> yes, I've always been like this. <laughs> no, actually, I'm curious about something else, because even though you say uh-huh. that, uh-huh. and even though you would love listeners who are hearing this who don't know you to believe that, uh-huh. then when you get into a group sometimes, uh-huh. sometimes, uh-huh. so you go to a service at mm-hmm. church, and there's several hundred people. Right. And then you want to sit in the back or sit away from the folks so that you can process it without all of their energy, mm-hmm. so that you can be alone in the middle of the crowd. I can be alone. And look, I still like you the do crowd. that very well. Yes, I still like the crowd. Oh. Yes. But I do like to sometimes be invisible to others. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. Right in the middle of the group. Right in the middle of the crowd. So isn't that that's kind of that is kind of interesting, isn't it? Because I do like to be unnoticed sometimes, but I like the energy of the crowd. But I don't necessarily want to be bothered by the crowd all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm just in the context of community, right? And and spiritual practice. It's like that image came to me of wait a minute. Wait, you you don't always want to be engaging with all these people. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. And I don't know really what makes a difference, you know, when I want to be engaged. But it certainly is, you know, on my time. I know when I'm feeling kind of like I just want to observe and be a watcher. When somebody I know kind of starts to approach me or something, I'll be like, hey, look away. Act like I'm reading a book. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to be engaged in that uh and I, I don't uh, do a good job of, of having a a boundary. Ooh, boundaries would be important to talk about with community as well. If we don't have boundaries, that can be that can make that can make community difficult if we don't know how to keep to you know our little personal time, like Tracy said. So you always come back around to the idea that Tracy is the smartest one and has the answers because you do need to have that boundary and that personal time. Boundaries, yes. Tracy has all the answers. No. <laughs> Boundaries, yes, but let's let's not get to boundaries too quickly, because I really I, I I'm just thinking if we talk about the importance of exploring your faith, mm-hmm. exploring and learning more and going deeper, saying yes to spirit, and the importance of you know what being a part of a community contributes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like what are the what are the ways or what are the reasons that it is important. So, you know, having a different perspective, good somebody to listen to you and to kind of be a sounding board for you is good. Um, and to be, you know, teachers. We're talking in the Wednesday night series. It's the Center for Spiritual Living. Reverend Peter is doing a series on life lessons and the teachers along the way. And I think in spiritual communities, I I can easily find teachers that can, you know, help me with different things. And certainly at Center for Spiritual Living, we have practitioners that can be um, prayer partners or prayer guides. And, you know, to have that sense of um, there's someone outside of me that knows the truth of me, that can hold the truth of me when I'm not experiencing the truth of me, that's an amazing gift that the spiritual community offers. Mm-hmm. I like that teachers, which makes me think of mentors. Mentors, right. Um, and then, yeah, having in a community people who can see your truth. And I people think. that can kind of gently confront you and say, hey, you know, I haven't seen you in a while, or what have you been doing, or, you know, that sounded kind of harsh, or this is, you know, so that I, and, I, and I'll hear things from people that I'm in community with, in a, in a spiritual community with, better many times. Then I'll hear it from, you know, my mother or my sister or somebody else, just family. Somebody that I don't, you know, just define as crazy. You know, a lot of times those spiritual people can gently confront me or share a concern about something they're seeing in me. And I'll hear it less defensively, I think, if I'm in community with them. Yeah, that's the word that was coming to mind. Yeah, it's like, okay, I don't have to be defensive because I know if they're telling me, this they're telling me from at least from their perspective for my best good right or they're seeing something that seems out of character that I may just be doing habitually 
that I'm not even aware that I'm doing. And, yeah, if somebody else outside of the spiritual community says it, you're you're more likely to just discount it or ignore it, mm-hmm. um, if not be offended by it. But at least discount it at least or discount ignore it. Quickly, it. Right, exactly right. Yeah, like what do they know? Or, <laughs> oh, they just are saying that because they want, you know, they want something mm-hmm. from me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so I, I think those are some of the... You know, those aren't some of the good reasons for community. Ooh, one more just went through my mind. And um, I, I know this went through my mind for a reason. So one of the really good things about being in spiritual community is that people show up that you have to interact with that you don't like. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Why are you looking at me so intently when you say that? You love me, Tracy Brown. <laughs> and then you get to learn the things about yourself. Exactly. You get to practice. Right. You get to practice whatever your spiritual foundation is all about. And in almost all major faith practices, that's all about love. And it's one thing to dismiss people you don't like at work or at the grocery store or, you know, but when you are part of a spiritual community and there's someone who's challenging for you to interact with or be on a team with or um, exhibiting some behavior that doesn't look like leadership to you, um, it's something, it's an opportunity to practice, oh, yeah, the Examples of what happens in the real world have to show up mm-hmm. in this spiritual community to say, okay, now what are you going to do? What's your choice? Mm-hmm. What choice are you going to make? And so uh, I know this showed up. I mean, that came into mind for me as, oh, yeah, that's why this person. So is that different when I'm around someone that's irritating me? Then that's usually something in me that I'm seeing in them. But when someone's just blatantly not doing a loving thing, how to step in and be more gentle perhaps, but step in and, and remind them. Yeah, I, and I think, right. Uh, and so I don't think it, there are any spiritual practices that from any faith that just say take mistreatment and love it mm-hmm. and accept it as your lot. Although, I mean, I think there are some interpretations and some denominations that will say, oh, yeah, you're supposed to experience, you know, pain and difficulty, and that's your lot, and Mm. that's the way you earn your way into heaven. Right. Um, But in general, in most most faith practices, I mean, it doesn't say you'll never experience hardship or problems, but you love your way through it, Mm -hmm. you know, or you still make the choices that, Buddha or Jesus or God would make mm-hmm. in that situation. And so we are going to have opportunities right. to have relation challenges, challenges in our relationships with people. And so if we're in a spiritual community, why wouldn't we expect that we'll have those same challenges, but it's an opportunity to practice. All right. And I can remember when I first you know, started getting involved in different spiritual communities, it was surprising to me they do show up just like every other community. You know, there was an expectation that these people are spiritual. They're not going to do those things that other people do. Street people wrong, do. <laughs> wrong, wrong. So um, at a website called theocentric.com, which is not tied to any one specific faith practice, It says that spiritual community is practically impossible to define because it's not an abstract concept but a living entity. It involves the weaving together of human lives with the divine life and with divine mission in such a way that the many become one. Oh, hey, that's the the tagline for Stained Glass Spirit, where many become one. Oh, that's right. Uh, But, yeah, so spiritual community involves the weaving together of human lives with the divine life and divine mission in such a way that the many become one. 
so that we are all brought together as one in our divine life, in living mm-hmm. the divine principles, living the spiritual truth. But we are still individuals, having individual human lives, but we get woven together as we try to experience the divine life. And isn't that saying that the spiritual community goes beyond the church community? That everyone that we meet is part of the higher spiritual community? Is that the beginning of that? Um, I don't think, I haven't read enough of this to know if that's their stance or not. I don't think so, but I think it is true just by what we've already said that a spiritual community could be you and me. It could okay. be two people. Right. It could be what we think of as our church community. And yet, if we truly right. believed in in our spiritual foundation that all paths lead to God and that everyone is exactly who they're supposed to be, then every person we interact with and even don't interact with in the world is part of our living spiritual community. See, I like that. And I like to be reminded of that. And there's a song on the uh, Christian XM station that I listen to that says, uh, and actually I heard it on like a, non-Christian station, but it uh, the chorus asks the question, what would I do, what will I do when I see God in heaven? Will I fall to my knees? Will I, you know, it goes through different things that I will do when I see God in heaven. And even the very first time that I heard that song, I always thought, man, we should do all that when we see each other, you know, because it really, um, how we treat each other is really an exp- we're all expressing God to each other, and it's always interesting to me to hear some I don't know what the word you know if it's religious belief or you know community different different church beliefs that you know we have to wait till we get to heaven to experience God, but um, and then we turn around and you know don't feed our neighbor that's hungry or having a difficult time, and so we're missing all those little God opportunities in the human form. So I do think that uh, the the idea of community is the idea of God showing up through everybody. Everybody and anybody. Everybody and everything. Cool. So, um... Thinking, uh, if you don't have your definition of community somewhere, you should look that up sometime. I don't see anything written down that, with a definition. So I can't get through the whole hour if you don't have an official That was the definition. That wasn't Webster's definition. <laughs> <laughs> These certain expectations I have. Did we do a show on expectations? You are kidding, aren't you? Yeah, sort of. But I do like routines. Um, so uh, have you, when you think of community in terms of uh, your workplace um, and you and I are both uh, interesting people to talk to about that because you have your own company so you don't you and your computer here are your workplace but we can think back to when we had a larger workspace I really do think that that almost becomes um, you know like a family because you're spending so much time at work and spending so much time around the people that we work with that how we show up in that setting and many times the stress of that setting can bring out the worst in our personalities, in my personality. So it does kind of have to be a conscious effort on my part to see these people in my workspace as little gods running around. And um, and I'm wondering um, how that, how to remember that. Or you know, and I think I I used to put up little magnets or little things in my workspace to try to remind myself to treat these people every day like I would want to be, you know, like I would want to be treated. And a lot of times that didn't work. I kept thinking, I've been treating you really nice for months now. You're still treating me badly. (laughs) I thought I was supposed to get stuff back ten times over. (laughs) Is that not the reason that we treat people well? Um, No. But do you think back to the time you had... uh, Community and workplaces was that a, like a micro? What is that a micro? Well, I, again, problem? I think it's the it is that that whole thing about it's all 
in an abstract, conceptual way, it's all community. <coughs> Everyone mm-hmm. is a part of our spiritual community. So whether it be in the workplace or in uh, in the uh, in the uh, church, it's all part of a bigger, higher community. And I think in a conceptual way, that's true. And it's our choice whether we live that in a conscious way mm-hmm. everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. And so we have lots of opportunities in, in a workplace we're, because we're seeing the same people over mm-hmm. and over. We're building mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is easier to grasp, that that really is our opportunity mm-hmm. to create our spiritual, our work community and think of it as a spiritual community. Am I showing up? living, demonstrating, modeling my spiritual value Mm -hmm. in this community consistently just as I would if I were going every morning to church for eight hours or to meditation Mm -hmm. or to whatever my spiritual center, to my mosque or to my synagogue, whatever my spiritual place to worship Uh would be. And then it's even more well, actually, I was going to say it's even more challenging than when we go out into the rest of the world where we don't know people and we're not building relationships. But based on what you said, actually it might be easier there with strangers uh-huh. than it is with the people we work with every day who are pushing our buttons and showing up in ways that we label irritating or right. disrespectful or you know, inappropriate or dysfunctional. And we only can give them those labels because we see them day after day after day after day after day. Right. And start noticing patterns and making up the story about Mm -hmm. what that pattern means. Mm -hmm. So in some ways it's almost easier to think of the whole world is my spiritual community and tomorrow when I go to Costco, you know, I can be nice to everyone. The strangers, right? Because I'll, you know, not see them again. The same exact same people won't wait on me a month from now when I go back to Costco again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is hard. The day in, day out grind of people. But looking back at different work communities that I've had, I can really clearly remember those men and women who brought in their spiritual uh, faith or their, you know, their idea of God in a loving way into the workplace. They are the ones that I uh, would draw to and would look for support from and would, you know, engage with easily. It um, is is really significant to me. Those people that kind of have, to somewhat, I think it takes courage to bring your faith or your idea of spirit into the workplace because, you know, that's kind of like a boundary. I'm not going so, to talk about boundaries yet, but, you know, boundary or something that you don't really want to, you know, prophesize in the workplace. I'm definitely saying, talking about evangelism no. and versus just showing. Because I, I, I think I live my spiritual principles in a lot of ways and never, ever say the word God or Jesus or Buddha or even faith, mm-hmm. you know, I might refer to values, but especially not be, not out of any shame or anything like that, but just, for me, demonstrating what I believe has nothing to do with saying the words of of what my religion is or what, you know, person, what book I've read or what's the guidebook that I follow. So that, Uh so it's like how would, I think when you were saying, starting off with, there have been people I've worked with who, you know, I think they brought their faith to Uh work. Uh I mean, I can think of people who I know were very grounded by their faith, but they, but we never ever talked about where they went to church or God or Buddha or the right. rabbi, what the rabbi said. See, that's funny because yeah, we would. I would, and I'm trying to recall if I brought those conversations up, or if they did, maybe I brought that conversation up. But I always knew where they went to church, and we talked about church the next day after 
church, we talk about different, you know, what was the passage, what was the message, what was the pastor talking about at the different churches on Monday morning. So that became kind of part of the routine of our um, experience. And uh, now that you're saying that, I probably did bring that into, you know, by asking them what church do you go to and, you know, what do you do and what do you believe. That makes me laugh because you were born and raised in Dallas. Uh-huh. And so one of the things culturally with, that I noticed when I moved here a long time ago, almost 30 years ago, but uh-huh. when I moved here, the the first question people would ask when they met you was, what church do you go to? Is that funny? Yeah. And that was so foreign to me. And I grew up in... Y'all didn't do that up north. <laughs> no. No. That's so funny. But I grew up in St. Louis, so I was in the Midwest and in the middle from north to south, you know, right above the Mason-Dixon line. And so in St. Louis, the question is, is what high school did you go to? If they know you grew up in St. Louis. Oh, really? It's what high school did you go to? And I didn't notice that that was, like, kind of strange until I moved other places and noticed that nobody ever asked other people that question. I never thought of that as a question. And I would never ask it unless I knew someone grew up in St. Louis. Do you know what I mean? And I was in St. Louis, but I would never think to ask it here. Because if somebody grew up here and I asked you, well, what high school did you go to? It wouldn't mean anything to me because Uh I don't know where all the different high schools are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I lived in Chicago... Um, and in general, in the North, the question, the first question would be, what kind of work do you do or where do you work? Uh-huh. Um, but when I moved here, and ex- I expected people to ask me, so where do you work? They always asked me first, what church do you go to? Welcome to the Bible Belt. I don't know. Why are you asking me that? This is none of your business. I was going to say, as a diversity leader, you would have to help people understand you can't ask me that. Well, it's not, you can ask anything. Um, and and now, like I said, after living here for so long, it's such a cultural thing that, it you know, I hear it and I just kind of smile. But... Um, that's but great. I never thought that people didn't ask that all the time. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah, it's like, no, it's a very, <laughs> very much a southern thing, mm-hmm. southern thing. So, um, you know, so it's not that it's inappropriate for us to talk about, but from an evangelical point of view, if you're part of a spiritual community, you know, I think the conversation, I've been in classes where people have said they love being in classes with people who, also have the same faith practices or are learning the same spiritual, you know, kind of guidelines for life because mm-hmm. that's the only place they can really feel free to go in depth and really kind of dig into it. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And maybe that goes back to us at the near the top of the hour saying, you know, one of the benefits is the learning and the education, uh-huh. you know, and having not just the official teacher in terms of the minister, but the teacher's from other peers in terms of sharing what they know. Right, right. And, you know, looking at, when you were talking, I I was thinking of the concept, um, 12-step programs say they're a a program of attraction, not promotion. Mm -hmm. Even, how do you say that word? Even Evangelical, that word? Evangelizing, is that the word? Mm -hmm. Is that a correct way of saying that? Because um, that can be really difficult for me in many ways. I've been evangelized in the workplace before when people found out that I didn't have a more um, traditional faith-based belief. And, um, you know, that is a very difficult thing when when someone sort of judges based on what church you go to. I'm always just engaged and interested to hear how people think and, you know, what their concept of God is. But um, it is a fine line to not be perceived as trying to be that event, whatever that word is, yeah, out there and capture some more souls for the for the right side, right? And I think that many times people in the workplace do get kind of hesitant to bring in spirituality, and I do, uh, I do, uh, I do think those those boundaries are kind of touchy. 
can be kind of touchy. They can be, especially when we think we're using them to fix people or to change people, um, you know, and to push mm-hmm. them to be exactly like us. And that's really where, from from my perspective, the diversity and inclusion element comes in that, um, you know, all paths, people find the path that leads to God that works for them. And so I'm not very quick to judge someone else's choices mm-hmm. about what they need. I mean, they know better what they need or what they what beliefs work for them than I do. Right. And that's, you know, I think that is a part of community that we find people who believe similarly to what we believe so that we don't walk that walk alone. That's not the same as saying everyone needs to believe the same thing that I Right. And, in fact, it's so true you say that because when you're saying that, I was thinking, you know, I have a lot of community that doesn't believe like I believe spiritually, and I like that. As Gail King would say, I like it at that. (laughs) I love Gail King. And uh, who is Oprah's best friend if you don't know who Gail King is, but uh, she has a whole vocabulary. But uh, I do enjoy being around people that don't share my same you know, spiritual belief system. Um, it's just it's just interesting to me to be around a diverse group of people. So well, by contrast, right? If nothing else, by contrast, it helps you see what you do believe. Oh, not, not yeah. Not that they have to be wrong, right? But oh, well, that's an interesting way to look at it. And hmm, I don't agree with that. For me, hmm, that wouldn't work for me to you know have that guideline or that practice, but it seems to be working for them just fine. So, But by seeing it or hearing it or them telling uh-huh. me about it, I have something to contrast. I may not even be really conscious of what I do believe until I see something else that it's like, oh, no, I don't, I don't believe that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what do I believe instead? Right. So sometimes that contrast helps us define who we really are or what's important to us. So that can be really helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about how the community shows us parts about us, I have another devotion Great. in my uh, devotion field subject called Perception. They are making me very upset. Another woman looked at her and said, it might not be what they are doing, but how you interpret it. Never mind, said the first woman. Within a few moments, the first woman got up and walked out of the room. I co-facilitate a group at the women's jail, and tonight two of the women had a very interesting exchange. One group member had several examples of how other women in her pod were causing her great distress. The other group member believed it was not the other women, but the perception of the group member herself causing her own distress. It is very hard for me to hear I am the cause of my own discomfort. I have learned over the years the stronger my urge to get up and leave the group, the more likely what is being said is true. I find myself fighting my own perception because I give myself value based on being right. I have a hunch with God there is no right and no wrong. And it is because of that non-judgment God can always stay present. If I begin to see situations as flat, knowing it is my perception making them positive or negative, I too will be able to remain present in all situations. At the moment I start to judge, making myself right or making myself wrong, I begin to leave the situation and move into my perception of it. When I don't make someone else or myself wrong, I can stay in group, present with God in the moment, allowing the moment's natural flow. And that made me think about what you were saying is the story. And I think when we're in community, we're con- I, 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 I am constantly making up stories about the things that I see. And Tracy will even say to me, and what was your story on that? And that's, a, and that's so cute when she says that. So I'm like, it's supposed to be a secret that I make up stories on everything that I say. But it really is an interesting thing because when we're in groups, our perception creates the experience of that group and how to 
get outside of our perception. I mean, that's a really challenging thing for me, to be able to be in the essence of the community with no judgment, with no story, you know, with no, oh, man, you remind me of my Aunt Sally, and I just really didn't like Aunt Sally and so forth. You know, you're going to be hard for me to be in this class with. You know, how do I, how do I stay in community and stay open-hearted, uh, you know, a clean slate? Yeah, I think that's one of the big, big, big challenges for all of us because it's impossible. It is impossible that it's impossible to um, go story free. Yeah. So I, I. Do you think it's impossible? Well, yes, because the human brain. I mean, I believe that because okay. the way the human brain works is to gather data, 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 all this information from everything that happens every second of our lives. And when when we then see or hear, uh-huh. you know, someone or something, the brain goes, know exactly what that is. That's X, Y, and Z. And you uh-huh. need to do A, B, and C to take care of yourself. And oh, so you have little stories going on in your head? You don't ever act like you have stories going on in your head, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. You're just being <laughs> yeah. nice for the listener. <laughs> no, but that's interesting. So you think, so how do you, and so you the, just don't the believe skill, the story. Well, the skill is to notice that you have a story. Uh-huh. And then to say, I'm not, no, that's not the story. I'm you not going to. That, that was the story then. That's not the story. Or, oh, yeah, that's. That's possible. One of my favorite questions that I'm always asking myself is, what else could be true? Like in my head, what else could be true? Um, You know, or, huh, how do you really know that? Or Byron Katie's The Work is all about catching ourselves in our stories, you know, asking that question. Is it true? Is it true? Uh How can you know that? You know, who would you be without that story? I mean, her... The Byron Katie's the work is is all about stopping oh, that's good. stopping the story and choosing the truth, right? Which right. is that things don't happen to you; they happen for you. Or what are you going to get out of this? Or how are, how are you going to interact with this person? Right. So yeah, I I mean, what happens for me now is when I catch myself really getting, you know, going down the drain with having that downward spiral because I am so sure this person, you know, is whatever adjective we want to use. Right. You know, is bad, is difficult, is wrong, wrong, (laughs) is not qualified. Uh You know, whatever way I'm describing that, You know, it doesn't happen a lot now because I'm more like, "Mm, well, you know, I don't know the whole story. But the folks I have to interact with, and that gets us to the conversation about boundaries. Sometimes it's, okay, so that is how they're showing up, and it makes me uncomfortable, or it makes me inefficient, or it results in me having real difficulty participating with the rest of the community. So, you know, at at what point do I set boundaries and are the boundaries for them or are the boundaries for me? Oh, I think the boundaries are always for me. And, um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. of one example where I've had to have a, and I haven't had to have, I've chosen to have a conversation with someone about, it's not okay with me when you do X because it results in Y and our goal is Z. And so X and Y are keeping us from achieving Z. Right. And so, you know, in some sense the boundaries for me because I want to achieve the goal right. and I want us to work well together and so it's for me because it defines how we're going to work together. But that other person would hear it as I'm setting a boundary about how he or she can behave. Right. They pers- yes. And, and it's a boundary of what someone else can or can't do when you're there. 
So that's still for you, though, ultimately, isn't it? Well, I, I mean, I, I think that's to up to interpretation. Oh, right, right. My story tells me that mm-hmm. it's for you. <laughs> that's my story. Yeah. yeah. And I think it is. It, well, until we negotiate an agreement, and it's oh, still right. setting a boundaries. If I just come to you and say, Leslie, you can no longer say these words, because I don't like it, right? Then that's you know I don't like it. Well, I can't tell really tell you what to do. I can tell you because when you say that, I'm offended by it for these reasons. And so you know, then I can ask the question: What could we? What could you say instead of that? Mm-hmm. You know, and then that's a negotiated boundary, right? That makes me feel more comfortable, but also gives you the relationship that you want. Yes, and many times when we don't, we don't again when we don't reach out and tell people what we see them doing. In many ways, we're almost allowing their behavior to not not just harm the greater community, possibly, but also harm them. And and I think it is so fascinating to watch people sit around and talk about people. And nobody will go to Sally Sue and say, you know, Sally Sue, you know, this is an issue. And yeah. uh, and then, you know, when everything blows up, we're like, oh, man, we knew that. And poor Sally Sue's over there going, I didn't know that. Well, some, nobody told me. I would have known. You know, I could have been, been making change. And I do think that's one of the, one of the, um, one of the benefits and one of the responsibilities of being in community. I really think being in a community is a responsibility as well, um, I'm in a, a sangha group, and you know, it's three or four small people in a prayer group that pray, and um, it's amazing to me the energy that I can feel in my life shifting when I know they're praying for me. You know, and so then the responsibility of, you know, on the days that I forget to pray for them, or you know, that I don't, you know, read the whole treatment or something, you know, and so it is a responsibility to be participating in big communities, small communities to do our part and to be <clears throat> to be present, to show up and to be uh to be responsible to each other. Yeah, I'm I'm loving that because I, I think we've talked so far a lot about, you know, what are the benefits and what do we get from being a part of community and that whole idea of Oh, but being a part of the community means that we have responsibility to support others, to be all those things we want others to be for us. Right. Right. There's an accountability along with the response. (laughs) Don't like that word accountability. Accountability. In general, I like the word accountability, but for some reason today I'm just... (laughs) You don't want to be accountable today. I don't want to be accountable today. Uh Uh It is interesting. That word does kind of usually bring that kind of, oh, because it sounds like work. sounds like work when I'm accountable. Yeah, or it sounds like, oh, I have to do something that I don't want to do. Yeah, yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, accountable. It's a real downer. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Tracy. Let's go back to responsibility. You liked that word. <laughs> Not really. Like, I wasn't yeah, liking that one like very it. much either. That's why we were. I was. I kept probably why I kept focusing on the benefits. What do I get from being in spiritual community? And so, but I know what that is all about. And so, yes, I right now have responsibility and accountability for a couple of things that have not been finished yet. And so ah, I'm uh-huh. I'm reacting. Out of something has nothing to do with this conversation. If I know how those words trigger, how yeah. words trigger exactly. And you know, a lot of times, um, you know, I'm thinking about saying yes to spirit and how what the daily practice. We always try to tie things back to that as well, and how in a community do we say yes to spirit? And I know that um, volunteering and doing different things to get involved in the community, you know, showing up early to take uh set up the room or staying late when people are moving chairs, you know, AA meetings again, the thirteenth step of doing service work of uh, you know, taking uh on responsibility for setting up the chairs for the meeting or tearing them down. I mean, all of that kind of activity engages 
us and in um, and deepens our sense of community. And I think there's something, again, we said at the beginning of the hour, but it just really feeds the soul to be a part of community. And I, in, in the idea that we're all one, you know, if we're not in that community, if we're not experiencing oneness with others, um, maybe that's just me, but it's very kind of frightening in my little head by myself. So that's why probably I need community around me all the time, whether I choose to engage or not is my choice. <laughs> I just have a little sign that I should say, today you don't approach. Today you can't approach. But, you know, I really do. I get something from that, just the sense of people being around people. Are you thinking? Sometimes you pause to think, and I don't want to run over your thought. I am thinking. What you thinking, and Tracy? Thinking. <laughs> and thinking. You thinking about volunteering mm-hmm. or getting engaged in communities? And it's interesting to me to watch people that will come to different events and never engage. And I've done that before in my life. Like you said, sometimes I'll sit in the back and then leave early or get there late, you know, and not really engage. And there's always some reason, something going on when people don't engage. And, of course, those are the people I chase in the parking lot trying to get engaged. (laughs) Well, I I can, I mean, even, I can think of lots of quote-unquote spiritual communities that are related to a specific group or a specific church or a specific you know, faith practice where I didn't engage. And that is interesting because I was having a very important spiritual um, process and spiritual depth and spiritual growth, but I was choosing, intentionally choosing not to really do that as part of a community. Really? When was that? Well, for years and years. I mean, before I became, you know, really engaged and involved with the center, I mean, I, it's not that I had never visited the center before, off and on for several years in the previous location and the current location. I've been involved at specific church communities over the last 20 years in, you know, different places where I've lived or visited on a regular basis, but did not, but consciously chose not to engage with the community. Now, sometimes it's because I didn't feel welcome that, you know, people either, again, my story and how Mm -hmm. they reacted to me were uncomfortable with me either by age or maybe because of race or because I didn't know why, Mm -hmm. but I just sensed a discomfort. Or there were times when I felt a distance that the people in this church are not really practicing what the beliefs are, and so I don't want to be totally engaged with this community because I'm really serious about living these values and these principles, and so I can do that, and I don't need them to do that. Especially when they're not doing So I was going for my own deepening and my own learning and my own, you know, refining or refreshing and, I, and it wasn't important to me. Um, and I had really gotten to the point where I didn't believe I needed community. Really? I didn't miss You should it. have said this early on. We needed to really dive into this. You didn't. So I think sometimes when people aren't engaging, it's okay because it's their choice. <laughs> That's very good. Uh-huh. And it's serving a purpose for them at that time. Right, and and the spiritual, in that sense, I would have still, you know, said, if we went back 10 years, I would have said, yes, the whole world is my spiritual community. Okay. And so when I go to work or when I go shopping or when I go to my friend's house, then I, it's still on me to create a sense of community uh-huh. and to use, to learn my spiritual lessons from these interactions. So I would have said that even more then than I, I do now when I'm really enmeshed in enmeshed. Mesh. That's an <laughs> interesting, interesting word. word. <laughs> That's a really interesting word. Is that how you feel? Enmeshed and engaged, uh-huh. engaged in this particular community. Deeply engaged. Deeply engaged is probably a healthier way to say that <laughs> than enmeshed. 
And it's funny to watch how different people, um, you know, experience saying yes to their spiritual community, you know, and, and either doing, you know, something through volunteerism or through tithing or through showing up or through staying after or through becoming a mentor or, um, uh, you know, different ways that, that, that the spiritual community offers people to get hooked into. Um, it's interesting to watch people's choices. And, um, again, saying yes to spirit and encouraging people to do that. I encourage people to say yes, to get involved, to do something. You know, because the more you get involved, the more you'll discover, or more I get involved, the more I discover about myself, and the more I discover about, you know, how I am in the world and, and what what God has for me. And when I'm sitting on my hands and not engaging, you know, that's for me when I'm not saying yes to spirit. Is there a daily practice of community, I wonder? Daily practice? Daily practice of community. I guess well, just interacting I, in the world with people. You know, I think what you do with God in my day is a great example of daily practice that mm. builds community. So you write the mm. devotions, you send them out to people who subscribe to them, and, you know, or the daily message from, you know, four or five different ministers that I get. I mean, it's, it's creating a sense of community around spiritual values and spiritual beliefs, even if I'm not a member of that person's church, mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. if they don't have a church. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that daily communication Uh helps to build community because it's being communicated to lots of different people. Um, And the community of just a spiritual, uh, tangible thing to read or tangible, you know, like it does. Our call, there's, you know, if you're part of the church and and there's a call that comes every day, then that's really, you know, that's a possibility that that could help build community. Oh, a phone call. Are you saying a phone call? My mother goes to Methodist Church here in town, and they they did, and I was still a member, never got off the rolls, but they used to do a weekly call. The pastor would do one of those robocalls, you know. I thought that was the funniest thing. What kind of calls? Don't they call them robocalls when they're political ads or, you know, Bill Clinton calling to tell you to vote? Oh, like it's a recorded call? That's a recorded call. goes out to a whole phone list? Uh Uh-huh. And so this Methodist preacher would do a call each week where he would have a little inspirational story for the uh, members of the congregation. And I always thought that was the cutest thing, but I'd never heard of it in terms of a sense of community. Yeah, I think that's very cool. So, as we wind down community, community, the idea of community and saying yes to spirit, we encourage people in the community of uh, meditation and doing group meditation because we do uh, morning meditation at the Center for Spiritual Living at 7 o'clock and then we have the Wednesday satsang and then the Tuesday night meditation on this blog station at 10.30 because many times when we meditate in community, we go to a deeper place and the time goes by more quickly, I have discovered. So that's another kind of practice of community is, is through community meditation. And uh, the archives, I always encourage people to go through that are listening. Uh, the meditations are all on the archives. And stuff. And 30 on Tuesday nights doesn't work for you. Whenever you do your meditation, you can pull that up and listen to that 30-minute time frame and not have to worry about keeping time when you meditate. 10.30, what time zone? Central time zone. Thank you, Tracy. Because you do have a gal listening in Florida. And then uh, we have thegodinmyday.com, and we have stainedglassspirit.com. Dot net. Dot net. Wait. So next week we're going to talk about forgiveness. Oh, I like that one. Self-forgiveness. I'll remind you next week that you said that. I like that one. I like it as a topic. I need that, yes. So we'll talk about self-forgiveness and how that shows up for us when we say yes to spirit. And um, we'll see where that takes us. So thanks so much for joining us. And we hope you have a fabulous week saying yes yes to to spirit.
control, living your life cutthroat. You gotta be so cold. Yeah, you're a natural. Alexa, play Imagine Dragons. Okay. Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.